I stopped walking in and complimenting people on something. And 99, I would think, percent of sales trainers teach you walk in, find a reason to compliment them, establish commonality. <clears throat> but I found that family picture thing to be so fake that I, I no longer did that. And what I did was I shifted it to a genuine reason I'm grateful for this person. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your host, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you again and looking forward to a great week. We hope that yours is starting off well also. And we know it is because you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on a Monday or Sunday during the week, we're going to reset that week for you and make it a good one starting right now. And that's because we're having Mr. Brian Burton himself join us today as the guest. We're going to be talking about some things that is passionate in his heart, such as sales and none other, because that's the only thing that's passionate in his heart. I'm just getting bright, <laughs> but it's going to be a good time and we're looking forward to a good show. And uh, before we do that, we're going to spend just a little bit of time setting it up for yourselves. So Brian, what's our quote for today? Sales are contingent upon the attitude of the salesperson, not the attitude of the prospect. William Clement Stone. I'm not familiar with uh, Mr. Stone's work, but I agree with his quote. He wrote a book called Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude, but a lot about a lot about selling. And, and uh, is there anything more true than than that quote right there? Like we make or break the sale in the home. Right. No, I, I agree. And if you want to if you want to know for sure, just ask yourself or, or the top person at your company, how many people they have sold. And just go in with your list. How many times have you sold someone that was angry when you got there? How many times have you <laughs> sold someone who was sad when you got there? Who was right. overwhelmingly happy when you got there? Who was completely indifferent and didn't care one way or the other? Yeah, to your point, Brian. I mean, I, we in the home services industry often are interacting with clients in their worst possible times, right? Like there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of why is this happening to me? Why does this happen to ha have to happen today? And so it's, it's the range of emotions that, you know, the people in the front lines get into. And it's also the controlling of their own emotions that gives them the success or the ability to succeed in that home situation. Yeah. We're, you're going to make or break the sale it has nothing to do with the client. Almost, almost nothing to do with the client. We, we have to look at it like a challenge, no matter what we walk into with the client, like I'm going to turn this, I'm going to make this the best experience of their day, maybe week, maybe life, right? When you walk in and, and this is something I learned in timeshare that the time that I spent in there, which was, we were in Las Vegas on the Vegas strip. People were given a pair of show tickets to come up and spend 90 minutes with me, with, with the salesperson. And I found that, um, and I was trained to, but I found that the best way I could make a deal happen was to 
make sure that they didn't feel like they got off vacation the second that they stepped up to my table. So my job was to keep that vacation rolling. And you had people who one person in the couple really wanted these tickets and the other person really wanted to just leave everything and run out of the building screaming. <laughs> to not be there. <laughs> right. Which I understood because as I looked around it, you know, some of the salespeople in there, very pushy, very aggressive. Unfortunately, didn't really even believe in the product, uh, probably sold it for the wrong reasons, um, weren't in it for the client at all. And it made that experience very uncomfortable. But what's, what's funny is you rarely saw someone who had never been on a, pre a timeshare presentation before. Like these people had become skilled at getting their, their show tickets and getting out of there. And typically the, the, the man, but one person in the couple loved this process of getting these free tickets and the other person absolutely hated it. And your job was just to say, Hey, you're, you're cool. You're fine. Hey, if this doesn't happen, you're not going to, you're not going to get beat up by me. Like I, I'm fine. In fact, that energy makes me want to not be here as much as it makes you not want to be here. And these are the kind of things I would say to a client and they later become things that I would say in a home. But more than anything, if you see it, say it. If you have somebody who's upset, you know, uh, label it like Chris Voss and the Black Swan Group would say, just call it out. You seem like you're a little frustrated and just let them talk about it. Maybe it has nothing to do with you. But as a salesperson, we're naturally going to internalize it like it's all me. They hate me. It's this is rejection. I haven't even started yet. What did freaking dispatch do? What did my manager do? What did the call center do? Like, what did the last technician do? Oh, me, woe is me. Yada, yada, yada. And the best thing you can possibly do is take me out of this equation and focus on the person in front of you and see if you can get them back on vacation. When you say take me out of the equation, can you talk that talk that out a little bit? Because you're earlier you're talking about how, you know, it's all about your your attitude and your perspective of the call. So how are you both yeah, controlling is, the call and removing yourself? It is funny that your <clears throat> your your best tool for taking control of the call and and owning the situation is to focus less on yourself. But that's absolutely the case. Is is it's no different than any interaction. You know, I train newer salespeople all the time, technicians to become more outgoing at the gas station, at their gym, at, you know, the supply house, wherever they're going to become more of an outgoing person there. Everywhere you go in life, everything you do, meet people at your church, wherever the grocery store, I don't care. So that you get better and better and better at communication, certainly. But what you're realizing when you do this is if you go to strike up a conversation with someone and you should try to strike up a conversation with everyone, the more emphasis you put on that person, the better that conversation goes. And you will have to learn that yourself as you try and try and try to spark up conversations. But that's what you'll naturally find. It's just a natural pathway. When you're making it about them, you're in control. So the old, it's uh, better to be interested in than to be interesting. Concept. Yeah, you're the interested introvert is going to beat the interesting extrovert every time. Like if even your biggest extroverts who are super outgoing and um, control every room they go in, when they're when they're focusing on the p other people in the room, they're way more successful at it. 
Makes sense because after all, they are the ones who have the problem that you are trying to solve. You're just merely there as a means to an ends, even if they don't recognize that. Right. Even if they're checking you out at the grocery store, if, if especially if they have a bit of a scowl and their day isn't going well, instead of taking it personally and thinking, how dare they slam my groceries? Uh, the, the tough part, the work there, the task for you is to say, oof, he, she having a bad day. How can I help? And then just go, hey, everything okay? Oof, so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, you know, let's face it. We don't want to talk to the person checking our groceries out. Like, we just want to get through this line in a hurry and hope none of our bag handles rip when we get to the trunk of the car, right? Like, <laughs> we, got, we got our own problems. But uh, it, but make this your task to go and, go and do this if this isn't something you normally do and watch how you grow and develop from it and become better at communication and situations at all across your life just by doing these little things. But one thing you're going to notice if you just go about it naturally with no help is the less you focus on me, the more you focus on the other party, the more successful your communication becomes. That's a great place to start, Brian, and looking forward to the rest of the episode. <clears throat> Before we get into the meat of the episode today, it's time to turn to you for our review of the week, Brian. So who are we highlighting this week? Thank you. Five stars. That could be it all by itself, you know, but it's not. Yeah. I own an irrigation company, but we are all in the service industry. Thank you for sharing your insight in the industry. No matter what position you have in a service company, you can learn and grow with this pod. I have shared many episodes with our team, and I give it five stars many times over. Hudson, one, three, three, four. Oh, very nice. I'm not sure that we've ever had an uh, irrigator in our midst. Nope, not from, uh, I've been hit up on uh, Facebook Messenger by irrigation companies before, but I don't think we've ever had a review on one on the Apple app so we appreciate you hudson 1334 i see that this review is from november 1st so hopefully we haven't chased you away by now and you get to hear your review read on on the episode <laughs> of course all our insults at the irrigation industry are just coming in <laughs> loud right now <laughs> hey if you're uh if you're inclined to to uh write us a review we would really appreciate it if you jump on spotify can't write a review, but you can click that five-star button and go on about your day, knowing that we will not have any idea who it was that did it, but we still appreciate you anyway. We do appreciate you, and it's now time to give back for this side of the episode, and that's when we're going to put Mr. Brian Burton in your passenger seat. Hey, let's not say we're going to put Brian Burton in the passenger seat, all right, because this isn't my episode. Let's say we're going to put the Harvard Business Review in your passenger seat. Why? Okay. Because we're going off of a Harvard Business Review article today. All right. Looking forward to it. Well, then let's put the Harvard Business Review in your passenger seat. <laughs> All right. Our guest today is the Harvard Business Review, and it's <laughs> taking the form as Mr. Brian Burton. Hey! We're, we're looking forward to that. So, Brian, set us up for our topic today. So uh, this is an article I came across actually 
a plumber who works with me here in Phoenix, Arizona, put me on to this article. Um, if you, if you know me, if you've heard me talk, you've probably heard me quote the old article I used in like 2012, 2013 that said, uh, it had several stats about salespeople, but one was that 85% of salespeople across the United States never ask a client to buy physically ask a client, a yes or no question leading to a sale. Um, and I had put a challenge out to my team. I'm like, I can't, you remember you were there. I used to post that article like up on the wall in trainings, um, or at least a, a part of that article. Well, years went by since I ever posted it. I still talked about it all the time. It was the same one that said that, um, I forget what the, what, like 80, 80% or 70% of Americans distrusted someone with facial hair. And it wasn't, I don't think it was written in 2012, but that's around the time that I had it and was, was putting it up on the board in trainings and stuff. Uh, but I just started talking about it and stopped putting it up there. And I think it was actually from the early to mid two thousands, but I lost track of that article and I would love to see it again to just to be able to quote it. And I don't know if I know it was a prestigious school. I don't know if it was like Harvard, Stanford, what, but I put a challenge out to our team where I said, Hey, if somebody can find me that article that has these stats, or remember the stats, I will, I think it was like a hundred dollar, hundred dollar gift card, visa gift card coming your way. And, uh, I, I never got that article. I'm not sure how many people actually tried, but my man, James Estes tried <clears throat> and he sent me a few similar articles, but none that we could find those actual stats. And this article was written in 2017. This is one that he sent me. And I loved the article, <clears throat> although 2017 would have been pretty late for that, uh, for that, for it to be that article, but it was still pretty good. And the article is seven reason salespeople don't close the deal by Steve W. Martin. This is from August 2nd, 2017 in the Harvard Business Review. Great article. This is mostly a B2B article or uh, business to business sales. So I, I do a little bit of uh, uh, wordsmithing when I put it in my notepad to just kind of remove the B2B part and only focus on the human to human interaction, which B2B is the same thing. It's all no matter what you're selling, you're, you're selling to a person. Um, but I just kind of wordsmith it. So it's, it's more focused on in-home sales, which is the vast majority of people listening to this show. Do we have others besides that? I'm sure we have some business to business people. Oh, I gotcha. I was thinking like uh, your wife finally started listening or something like that, but no, absolutely not. Of course she she does that. She oddly enough, she just hits me with a random thought that she has from an episode recently. And I'm just like, Oh wow. You listen. All right. I can start watching what I say on here, man. No, Ethan was talking to her about it. That's probably what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Parroted it over. (laughs) All right. right. Well, let's, let's dig into it. So here's where the, where the review came from. More than 230 buyers were interviewed, or sorry, were studied. And the very first quote about this, 12%, according to those 230 buyers, 12% of salespeople are excellent. So if those buyers talk to 100 salespeople over their lifetimes, which is probably low, 
they considered 12 of them to be excellent. Was excellence defined by the buyer or by some other metric? By the buyer. Okay. In their own, in their own mind. I, I, and for me, what, what does that mean? I dealt with a pro. I dealt with somebody who was, who had answers, who was not stumbling over their words, who made me feel like it was about me uh, and was not there specifically to sell me something. And look, waste no day, baby. We do not shy away from the fact that we don't lace up the boots in the morning and jump in that truck to do anything first and foremost, except make a living, right? If this, if we were doing this for free, you, you wouldn't be doing it. You'd be going to get another job that actually paid. So I hate shying away from that. I don't, I won't do it. I won't pretend that our first and foremost thing that we do is, is get up and whatever your, <clears throat> you know, uh, fantastic sales trainers want to call it to pretend it's something different. Serve people is the number one goal. Uh, certainly that's a big goal and slightly under number one, but number one is if we, if this was free and it didn't pay, we wouldn't do it. So the, the main reason that we get up and do this in the morning is because we have mouths to feed, even if it's just our own, we have goals, we have dreams and it takes money to accomplish those. So that's what we do for a living. Right. Right. Cool. No more than the farmer who loves to farm gets up and plants seeds because he has a family to feed. And first and foremost, you may love being out there in the, in the, uh, night sky at 3am getting it in kind of like me walking this morning. Hey, kudos to Nate Minnick for getting up early this morning on a freaking Sunday to record uh, this episode. It pales in comparison to your 4:10 AM, uh, wake up call there. So that's late for me, buddy. That's 25 minutes <laughs> after I normally get up. So uh, yeah, we're recording this at 5 a.m. Arizona time, 7 a.m. Pennsylvania time where Nate is um, because we just kind of fell into the uh, knowledge late yesterday that the episode that's supposed to air this week, Andy Elliott, is not going to be complete or might not be complete on time. So we just wanted to get this episode in. And this is an episode that I would already kind of worked on for morning meetings, for trainings. And I said, man, I can do this one. It's preloaded. So let's rock. So uh, appreciate a level, level of dedication, Brian. Yeah. Appreciate you getting up early, buddy. I, I'm guessing for Sunday, this is early for you, right? Depends when the kids wake up. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> you ain't getting up at no six ten <laughs> on Sunday. Typically I'm guessing. Hopefully not. All right. <clears throat> so seven reasons salespeople do not close the deal. Number one, they are not trusted or respected. Now, I feel like that should be two, right? That could be two completely different ones. I'm not arguing with the man. I'm just saying, for me, that could be two different ones. Right. I, You trust that soft person to not mean you any harm right? That very just soft, trustworthy, hey, yeah, yeah, man, you would never, he would give you the shirt off his back. But you might not respect him. You know, you might not consider that person an authority on this subject. And for that reason, you will not do business with that person. And it goes the other way, you might, might respect him and consider him, him or her an authority in this field. But you might not trust her. 
to have your best interests at heart. So those could be two different ones for me. But either way, very good possibility you're not getting the sale. Is there a way, Brian, that uh, one can identify without somebody telling them the reason I didn't buy from you is because I didn't trust you? Like that's not one of those things that most people walk around saying, you know, I don't no. trust you. <clears throat> no, here's what they say. Hey, leave your card on the table. We'll give, give me a couple days. We'll call you after the weekend. Just, we just got to think about it. So that's, that's, so that's, that's to be inferred because, you know, I'm guessing across our listing audience, that's happening on a fairly regular basis. Not yeah, necessarily, man, you're- not necessarily because they're not trustworthy per se, but if, if that's what Correct. you're saying, yeah, that's going to throw some people a little bit into the wind. No, no, no. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe you're not trustworthy, but I, I would say majority of people listening to a show like this, you're not out looking for shortcuts and cheat codes to get better, you know, by screwing clients over. You're actually physically trying to improve yourself. So you're probably trustworthy, but that does not mean that's how you come off to a client. And we use this dog out analogy before where if you, if, if Nate got bit by a Rottweiler, when he was five and then all of a sudden he comes over my house and I have a rot and Nate just freezes up, <gasps> eyes widen, palms start sweating. You start shaking a little bit, your stomach knots up. How does the rot act toward you? Even more concerned. Yeah. He gets protective of me, right? He might stand closer to my kids and growl at you and the hair might stand up because he thinks you're up to no good. Right. Thinks you're, you're up to trouble. Is that the case? Uh, well, I actually was bitten by a dog when I was very young. And so I actually do have apprehension about that. Oh, wow. I did not know. No, no. I meant, (laughs) is it the case that you're up to no good? Generally not. No, no. In this case, you're just scared of dogs because you got bit by one who looks like him. Right. Right. But the dog naturally takes that as you're shifty. You're up to no good. I can't trust you around my family or my, my territory. Are we any different? No, I, I, I love the analogy. I'm not sure you've ever used that or if you have, it's been a while because I don't remember it. But it, I used to train it, train it all the time. I don't know if I've used it on the show recently, but but yeah, so we're no different as human beings. When you when you have a salesperson who's very nervous, fidgety, like flipping one leg over the other and back and back and back and can barely make eye contact with you, that person is just nervous around you. That's it. That person has either been burned by a person with your personality type before or is brand new to this type of situation and literally he or she is just in their mind chewing their nails. You know, they're they're uncomfortable in this situation. But what do we see when we look at that? From a customer's perspective, it, you know, it looks shifty. It looks uh, shady. Yeah, like, you know, this, there's something wrong here. He's trying to pull something over <clears> on me. Uh, he's not... He's not being straightforward with me. You know, I'm not, I'm not getting what he's saying, all those things. And so, you know, in polite, in polite society though, to your point, uh, whereas dogs don't necessarily control their emotions, humans generally do. And so instead of saying something like, I don't trust you, this is ridiculous. We just come up with some type of a smoke screen to avoid being so impolite. Yeah, correct. And at the end of the day, even if it's not that, even if the client doesn't look at you and think, I don't trust you because you're nervous, you're not an authority if you're acting like that. This is why, this is why scripts are so important. It's why we have things like the seven deadly objections from 
couple months ago. Um, it's why you have little things that you write down and you rehearse and you role play. So when boom, this pops out from a client, you have something you're ready to say. It doesn't have to be a scripted thing because when you go, uh, I, um, I don't know. And you, uh, oh, you really caught me off guard there. You look, you don't look like an authority. And at the end of the day, trustworthy, not trustworthy, respected, an authority is someone who's going to, who, who is, uh, the client's going to do business with an authority. On yeah. I mean, subject. just, just imagine asking your surgeon right before open heart surgery, you know, Hey doc, like what happens like if this happens or whatever? And he's like, Oh, wow. Uh, no one's ever asked me that before. And, and all of a sudden you're like, uh, can I get like a timeout here? <laughs> yeah. I'd, or, I'd be scared. uh, Hey doc, before you put me under, what's the recovery time like? Um, yeah, it's, uh, um, you're like, well, hold up, bro. <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> it's not someone I want working on me right now. Right. Okay. So, well, good, so, good start. Yep. So trust, trustworthy, respected to crucial issues. And that is number one. What's number two? Number two, they cannot converse effectively with different personality types. Now, this one was in the article was they can't converse effectively with senior executives. But we know senior executives, don't we? What are they in the black swan group? Three personality types or negotiator types. You have your analyst, you have your accommodator, and you have your Sorry, assertive. it's not coming to me. Assertive, yeah. Assertive. A type is, is what I had. but A type or D, high D on the disc profile. And that is just the CEO. So we have our own version of that um, that we, we used to train on all the time in Lancaster, which was the CEO, the teacher, and the engineer. The engineer. Yep. And this is the CEO. <clears throat> and if you don't know how to effectively communicate with the CEO type, the what's in it for me, the I don't have time for your lollygagging and to get to know you and nor do I want to like this is a business transaction and if you try to make it something else you're wasting my time if you don't know how to deal with that person you're dead in the water so that's a great one couldn't couldn't agree more with that one I agree Brian and that is something that I think a lot of people struggle with especially because you know as certain types of personalities you tend to attract or be attracted to like personalities, uh, you know, for example, introverts may find themselves in the company of introverts a lot, or engineers hang out with engineers, teachers hang out with teachers, CEOs oh, hang oh, out with CEOs. No, no. Nobody hangs out with engineers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Nate you know, is an engineer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thanks, buddy. Got so you. If, if uh, you know, if you're only ever or made majority if the of your time is spent hanging around people of your same personality you're limiting your exposure to others and therefore by nature you're more awkward and uncertain around other personalities not only in how you're supposed to react to them but what is normal from them to be reacting to you and that type of um i mean that's one of the reasons that brian is is saying you know get out there talk to everybody talk to your your barber talk to the person behind the counter talk to you know, the, the dude 
that's uh, the mechanic on your car or whatever, and like just get exposure because if nothing else, it gives you a more well-rounded perspective of humanity and all their different personalities and how you can become interactive with them. Far better to do that in a practice scenario where nothing is on the line than to risk the biscuit and do it in the home when it's your first time dealing with that A-type personality. Here, here. <clears throat> yeah, so again, grocery store, gym, church, wherever you hang out, get get to know people. Who? What type of people? Not the easy one, man. Not the lay down that you look over and go, ha, he or she is just like me. Let's go spark up a conversation. Nailed it. I'm going to shoot Brian a Facebook messenger message and tell him how, hey, this went great. Go for the person that you least want to talk to in that room. That's your task. That's the mission. All right. And then shoot me a text mission accomplished. Tell me how it went. We've had a few people actually reach out and say they got uh, girlfriends by doing that. <laughs> there you go. Not, hopefully they weren't married. But look, this is not what we're trying to uh, trying to accomplish, but it, but it does work. You become a natural icebreaker when you do this with enough personality types. And when you go up against something like trying to hit on somebody, that's where you're going to get the best objections because there's an emotional response there that isn't typical for a sales situation. And if you learn how to na navigate that, you're learning how to navigate anything. Hmm. There you go. Wasted <clears throat> Day continues to expand its reach and influence into the dating yeah, world. Yeah, buddy. Into the dating world. Number three, they can't clearly explain how this, how their solution helps the buyers. Oh, for crying out loud. Number three, they can't clearly explain how their solution helps the buyer. Buyers amass information that help them justify their strategic decisions. That Roy H. Williams quote comes to mind. Capture the heart and the mind will follow. Because the mind will always go to work to justify a decision that the heart makes. Yeah, I love that quote. And it's so important because, you know, despite all, and this is something I've had to learn. Because when I first when I first came to work in the industry, I would have said buying is a logical decision. It is something that I do research on. And as you mentioned earlier, Brian, I, I tend to be more of an engineer personality. And so for me, I'm about research. I'm about analytics. I'm about you know shared experience and all these things and like doing all the stuff that I need to do to make a purchase. And to me, when I initially walked into the industry, that was a logical decision but it actually wasn't. That was just the facade over the true decision, which is always, always, always emotional. We 100% always buy emotionally. It doesn't matter how much research, it doesn't matter how many shared experiences, it doesn't matter how many references, it doesn't matter how many reviews or anything else, we buy emotionally. And if the person that you're speaking to does not feel in their emotions that the solution you are proposing is actually going to help them, all of your hodgepodge and reviews and all of your you know, convincing and, and sales sheets and blah, 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 all that is not going to mean anything because you have not connected emotionally with their concern or their need. And until you do that and until you wrap your head around the fact that it is an emotional experience and an emotional decision, you're going to be very limited in your success. Yep. 
<clears throat> if you're only trying to beat somebody with facts and figures, you're missing the boat. Um, 90% of the time, 80% of the time, if you can reach in there and grab the heartstrings and give them a little tug, you're going to be on the side of the victor because once you get them emotionally involved, now they'll just go logically justify their decision. And the engineer who seems to be all logic, actually the easiest one to do this with. It's just the exterior is tough and you don't think you're going to get through, but you'll get through. Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, speaking from the engineer's perspective, if you tell me that a product is going to benefit my family and then you connect the dots for me on how that's going to happen, game over. We're done. Yeah, that's how and that's how everybody works, really. It's just we we think it's a little bit different from in the engineer's case, but it's really not. All right. Well, great start here, Brian. We're three in. We have uh, the reason people do not buy is because they do not trust or respect you. They cannot or you cannot communicate with their different personality types. You have not properly explained how the solution helps the buyer. What is number four? Number four, they are too self-centered. Wait, let me help. I get a lot of messages, and let me just let me just point out something here. Too self-centered, <laughs> not not to. Two as a comparison, like more self-centered than not, T-O-O. Mm -hmm. When two is used as also two O's, you know, like I'm going to the store too. I didn't know you were <laughs> T-O-O, -O, right? The number, nobody, everybody nails that one, T-W-O. All right. All right. Uh, HVAC techs out there. I got your back. <laughs> a little lesson this morning. Got you electricians. Yeah, Brian. Well, I'm sure you're well acquainted with narcissism. So why don't you give us kind of your perspective on it? <laughs> uh, yes, this was a struggle for me early. Like I wanted everyone to buy for my reasons. Um, not really taking the time to understand the client's reasons or if they had their own reasons or if the reason that you and your family would say invest in water treatment for your home was a little bit different than what was important to me. And that that is the biggest reason that people are, let's hold on. In sales, the number one reason people would be considered too self-centered is because they are selling for their commission. And that has to be looked at as an end result, as an afterthought. Like if I just get really good at presenting and I help enough families get what they want, and we'll go to the Zig Ziglar quote, you can have everything you want in life if you just help enough people get what they want. If you build your career on doing that, you just understand you will make a fortune. There's no, there's no trade like sales where you can come in like me and have no, no high school diploma or never set foot in a college and make an extreme amount of money. Sales is it as far as I know. So, I mean, even to be an athlete, you have to go through high school at least. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people skipping college to get into the pros these days, but at least high school, usually a year or two of college. But to be a high performing salesperson, really just got to get really good at communication, find a product that you genuinely are in love with, and then transfer that enthusiasm from yourself to the client. But that reason that people are considered self-centered aside, that's not our audience. The next one is you're trying to sell people for your own reasons versus finding what theirs are. Yeah, that's right, Brian. And that's something that I think 
an amateur is going to struggle with because the amateur wants to get, you know, passionate about reason X, Y, Z, um, and kind of ignores or is even worse, unaware of the fact that the homeowner is not really interested in product or service X, Y, Z, because that's not their concern. They actually want to address ABC, right? And the more that we keep trying to pound a, a square peg in a round hole, um, the worse it's going to get because it's like you're speaking two different languages at that point. You know, I'm speaking French and the person I'm talking to is speaking English. And I just keep saying over and over and over in French, like, don't you get it? Don't you see? This is amazing. And you're on the other hand, uh, the other side, speaking English, like trying to say, no, I, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Now, that's never actually going to play itself out in a verbal way, but it's what's going on in their head because you're talking to them from your perspective and you're either selfish or too self-centered, as the, uh, the article is indicating, to recognize the fact that they don't care about what you're talking about, or at least not to the degree that you think it is important. And so part of being a professional is recognizing their concern, their need, and then tailoring your presentation to specifically address those concerns. And then you have somebody who is very interested in what you have to say. Yeah, I, as in management, had to speak to a client of an HVAC tech who was upset at the tech because I felt like all he wanted to do was sell me um, in an indoor air quality product that would take care of allergies. Kept talking about the allergies. I kept telling him, my girlfriend and I don't suffer from allergies. And all right. he did was beat the drum of allergies, allergies, allergies. And the guy was like, my basement is way too humid. The windows fog up. All I wanted to talk about was getting the humidity out. Yeah. The salesperson didn't get anything. Now, fortunately, he called in and talked to a manager and we got someone else out and we got a dehum dehumidifier put in there. But that is a clear case of a total miss in like you deal with allergies that doesn't mean your client does yeah and for for every you know one time that somebody actually calls in and says hey listen you bonehead you know i wanted this and you were trying to tell me that how oh many hundreds of Can't other people imagine. never call in and they just walk away go away right. silently because now they think everyone at the everyone on the team is just like that guy like i don't i don't need these guys coming out and selling me allergy stuff I mean, it's literally the guy went to his doctor and said, I have, you know, a massive headache. And he offered him Allegra. Bro, <laughs> he needs Advil, my man. Stop with the, stop with the Claritin. Yeah. <clears throat> that also part of that, uh, of those 240 people surveyed, 25% indicated that salespeople only care about making the sale. Or I'm sorry, uh, those 240 people indicated that 25% of salespeople only cared about making a sale. That's, that's specifically their own reason. Right. And that's opposed to what, Brian? As opposed to they care about doing what's right for me and my family in this situation. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, that's a great start to uh, the first four. We have three remaining. What is number five? Number five, they use the wrong closing strategy. This one was super interesting to me. I'm like, whoa, all right. Um, and I'll just read this one quickly. Study participants were presented with different closing techniques in order to understand how they would respond. Overall, hard close techniques such as, this is the last time we'll be able to extend this offer and we need an answer now. 
were rated the least effective. A hard close creates a binary yes or no response from the buyer and is associated with a take it or leave it mentality. Soft close techniques such as if you spend another $1,000, you'll receive an additional 10% off your entire order were rated as the most effective. A soft close is based on a suggestion that leads buyers to believe they are acting of their own free will, when in fact, they've been directed to follow an action. It's a huge distinction to nearly the exact same thing. I mean, that's the, that's the same close both ways, right? It's the takeaway. Yeah, but it's all in the presentation, right? So, 100%. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned something really brilliant there. So, you know, I, I do Thank the you. vast I majority. Do what I, I do what I can. I do what I <laughs> can. It was the article. Don't worry. Oh. <laughs> the vast majority of, uh, of my purchasing, you know, outside of like the grocery store is probably done online, right? And I'll tell you one thing that is very effective at getting me. You're only $8.99 away from free shipping. Ooh, let me get right? that $9 piece, baby. Yeah. And so, you know, I find myself on the website. Okay. What can I get for $9? Yeah, this one pocket cents. protector is perfect. $9 and nine cents. Nate grabs it up. You know, it's funny. A minute ago, you said uh, square peg in a round hole. I was talking to our mutual friend, Mike Fabric, the, uh, mm -hmm. the uh, club membership episode of Waste No oh, Day podcast. Yes. Which was one of the number, top. Number three most downloaded in 2023. Uh, we were talking Friday, just a couple of days ago about you. And uh, I said, yep, you know what? Nate is a square peg and the whole world is a round hole. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> this was kind. with the utmost affection at how good of a person you are and how bad the rest of us are compared to you. <laughs> I'm sure. But, yeah, so when you said square peg around holes, I just laughed to myself because Mike and I had a good <laughs> chuckle for a minute about that. Oh, Any, yeah. Anywho. <laughs> yeah, so back to what you're saying there, Brian. I mean, I think the... You know, that's one of those retrospective things where at the time they didn't know that there was another type of close out there. But what they did know is they didn't like the one that you were using. Right. And so, yeah. you know, they can only effectively answer that question after they heard like, well, hey, would you rather hear it this way or this way or this way? Oh, well, I liked option C. And that kind of comes back to one of your earlier points, which is you have to know who you're talking to and what type of things are important to them before you just start going for those like slap across the face. Hey, listen, you know, when my, when my wheels leave the parking lot, this thing's off. You know, Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. <laughs> it's always leave it for me. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, at that point you're just adversarial against the, <laughs> against the person talking to you. Right? right. It just became me versus you. And there's just no reason to do that. Number six. They don't, they don't alleviate the risk of buying their solution. Buyers are fixated on risk mitigation because past interactions with salespeople have conditioned them to be skeptical. Therefore, they make salespeople respond to the immense requests for proposals, complete laborious evaluation spreadsheets, and document each product feature to prove it exists. Still, one of the primary reasons a purchase isn't made after a lengthy conversation is because the salesperson hasn't alleviated the risk of buying. Yeah, if you want to talk about that, that really goes back to number one, if you think about it, right? And number one is they don't trust or respect you. 
And so the reason that they're trying to alleviate the risk is because I can only trust a, a salesperson, a technician, a plumber, an electrician, an irrigation person in my home to the degree that I've had conversation with them. Outside of me having a pre-existing relationship or their family member or somebody that I personally know or somebody that personally I know referenced them, you know, we're starting off as basically strangers. And so I'm only going to be able to extend a certain level of trust to this person because I haven't fully engaged with them, you know, through history and experience and consistency. And so because of that, while I am willing to extend a level of trust, I also need to hedge and I need to be able to create some type of a, a, uh, a parachute, if you will, or a safety net, just in case I misread the person that I'm speaking to and their trustworthiness. And so you giving me some ability to overcome uh, my own concerns, my own hesitancy to deal with you by saying, oh, yes, and we also offer this warranty and this type of service and this type of you know guarantees and all these things is going to be the thing that's going to push me farther over the edge into the decision-making category other than you just saying, am I not a nice guy, right? And so it's, it's very important that you provide some rationale, some taking risk off the table when you're making a presentation uh, to just cert, you know, certify, hey, listen, even if you don't fully trust me, trust the things that my company is standing upon, right? Perfect. Good stuff there, Brian. All right, bring us in for a close here, and let's take a look at number seven. Number seven, the salesperson can't establish a personal connection with the buyer. Should have been number one and number seven. <laughs> All right, number one, number eight. There is an equilibrium point where the buyer respects the salesperson's conviction and is not offended by their persistence, which enables the relationship to develop. Buyers cited five key reasons why there is no chemistry or personal connection with a particular salesperson. Number one, the salesperson was too pushy. We've all seen this. Most of us have had this happen in person. And understand how how much of a turnoff it is. Aggression or desperation is a stinky cologne and you do not want to wear it. Number two, there was a difference in communication styles. That can be enough. That really can be enough, but also probably the easiest one to overcome. Again, if you're making this about me, this is literally about me and the benefits I'll see. I don't care about your, what your communication style is. Number three, the salesperson's personality was too much different from mine. Again, super easy to overcome. You just make this about me, my family, my finances, and I don't care about your personality. Here's a big one. The salesperson was too eager to befriend me. And he started forcing and faking the friendliness. This is why because I had such a horrible experience with some window salesman. His name Beautiful well. family. <clears throat> okay. It was like 4th of July or Memorial Day. And I had three, I think three window salesmen scheduled to come in on that Monday. Because it was just the day I had off. And the first one that called me said, hey, if you're home Memorial Day or 4th of whatever day it was. Uh, we'll just come in the morning. We can like our, our people work that day. It's not a big deal. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, it works for me. And then I called two more and said, let me get two more quotes out. And they 
we're happy to send someone out. And the first cat who walked in with his penny loafers parked in my driveway with a car that, eh, you know, may or may not have leaked oil. Uh, you couldn't be sure. It wasn't brand new. <laughs> no booties. Just walked right in in his penny loafers. Hey, I'm Nate with uh, ABC Window. Bro, it's early, but come on, I'm paying attention. <laughs> Looks right up at a picture of me and my wife and my kids and goes, oh my gosh, is that your family? They're beautiful. <laughs> and I'm just like, the hair on the back of my neck stands up all the way down to my ankle. I'm like, Ugh, why are you looking so intently at my family? And it was a nightmare. I mean- when we weren't making a buying decision, he used, I'm here on my holiday. I don't get paid unless I make a sale. Ugh. Like pushiness. Guilt. Uh, real, real close to getting thrown out of the house physically, um, which was something I had to kind of look forward to doing because I'd never done before. And it, and it never actually happened to me, but I was always afraid it was going to happen when I was in sales. But he didn't. I just politely uh, asked and then told him to leave. Um, but it was so bad that the second and third window salespeople, my wife said, I'll be upstairs. This, this one's on you. <laughs> right. And, and we had made a commitment or I had made an agreement with them on the phone that we would both be present. So as soon as the other two walked in, I said, Hey, wife's here. She's not gonna be part of this. If I'm sold at the end and you need her, I'll get her down here. But it's not been a pretty experience so far. And there was pushback with both of them. The experience was so bad. We did not buy windows. Hmm. We sold the home with old windows because we were just, we were done. We weren't, we weren't going through this process. And it all started with their number four uh, reasons buyers cited for there not being enough chemistry, <clears throat> which was the salesperson was too eager to befriend me. And because of that, I stopped doing and train and then later training at the time I was still in a truck, still selling, I stopped walking in and complimenting people on something. And 99, I would think, percent of sales trainers teach you, walk in, find a reason to compliment them, establish commonality. <clears throat> but I found that family picture thing to be so fake that I, I no longer did that. And what I did was I shifted it to a genuine reason I'm grateful for this person. Mm. Yeah. Genuine reason that I'm grateful either to be here versus all the other place, you know, being under a mobile home with four inches of water under it and a lot of black widow spiders in Las Vegas. Um, but, a re, you know, being out of the heat, being out of the cold, being out of the rain, whatever it is, some genuine reason that I'm happy to be here serving you today. And I hit them with a level of gratitude that they rarely saw in their day. Every single time I met someone. It took all this, I got to find commonality and a reason to compliment them right out. And let's face it, anymore today, that's what everybody does. So we want to stand out, don't we? So stand out by showering them with a wheelbarrow full of gratitude and you will be different than everybody else. Absolutely, Brian. And if you're listening to this episode and any one of these seven things has stood out to you, maybe it's time for you to retrospectively look upon all the reasons that you've gotten there or why you feel like that is a problem. You know, perhaps that you are getting a lot of uh, 
hey, thanks, but no thanks, and you're concerned about your trust level, or perhaps you've realized that you are focusing more on why you're trying to sell the product as opposed to why they're actually interested in buying. Uh, but we'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. And yeah. of course, tell us the what you're struggling with or what you'd like to hear more about. So number five in this uh, little uh, sub list inside the list of reasons there isn't enough chemistry between salesperson and buyer, there was an age difference. Hmm. Yeah, I've dealt with that one before, but it's more of a confidence issue is when I was in my early 20s trying to sell plumbing and people would open the door and say things like, hey, buddy, is your dad here? Or <laughs> Where's the plumber looking out back at the truck? You know, about 175 pounds uh, and looked extremely young. So it was an issue. But the age difference thing, not non-factor for me. No factor whatsoever. You're If you're connecting with someone, you're making this about them, not about you. That's going to disappear really quickly. Right. I would say the issue there was... Upon first impression, I got somebody who's 40 years older than me or 20 years younger than me. I see that it makes an impact on me. I'm like, ah, this is going to be weird. And then they, they make it weird the whole time by being a pushy salesperson who doesn't connect with me whatsoever. And that thing, the first impression just lingers in my brain. I guarantee you those people have been sold by people with that age difference before. And it was not a factor because they ended up having someone who cared about them cared about their needs and sold as a professional. So no factor there. Hey, that's a great place to wrap it up, Ryan. And I know it's been a, uh, it's been a really good episode for me. And so I appreciate you bringing this content to us and I'm sure our listeners do as well. As I just mentioned, if any of these seven stand out to you is something that you'd like to hear more about, or you'd like to tell us, you know, that you're, you're struggling with, uh, drop us a line, hit us up in the reviews you know, uh, send us some messages or let us know what exactly you've uh, connected with uh, on this episode and why you connected with it. For those of you who are trying to go better, let me just, uh, trying to get better, I should say, let me review this in the positive things. The reason that people will buy from you is because they trust and or respect you because you have found a way of connecting and communicating with their different type of personality because you have been able to explain in a way that made sense to them the solution that is actually going to help them. Because you avoided your own reasons and you focused on them. Because you used the proper closing strategy. Because you alleviated the risk of buying in the solution. And because you were able to establish a true personal connection with the buyer. If you're succeeding out there in the sales world, the in-home services world, it's probably because you're doing one or all seven of these to a really, really good and strong professional manner. And that's what we want to encourage you to do as we wrap up today's episode. Brian, any closing thoughts from you? Yep, I got one. Um, as this episode airs here Monday morning, next week on Tuesday, I will be speaking, doing a little live sales training at the Home Service Freedom event, which is Tommy Mello's training, uh, um, crying out loud, best practices group for running a small business, but expanding into in-home service sales coaching and training. I'll be speaking for an hour and a half there and doing some sales training. And for those who don't know yet, surprise, role-playing with the crowd. <laughs> people are getting brought up on stage, baby. We're sharing in this anxiety together, right? <laughs> and 
it will be held at Andy Elliott's um, training facility, which is freaking awesome. I'll actually be there later today for a, a sales closing mastermind. Um, but yeah, if you want to check it out, if you want to go, go to homeservicefreedom.com, homeservicefreedom.com, and look for the uh, Phoenix regional event. And I, that's on, what day is that anyway? Uh, that is on January 29th and 30th of 2024. So if you're listening to this later, Hey, shoot me a message to find out when the next one is. <laughs> well, good stuff today, Brian, that wraps us up for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And of course the great content that Brian was bringing for us, make sure that again, you, uh, you let us know what you appreciate about the episode. And of course, if you'd like to hear more guests or different guests or different ideas or subjects, drop us a line about that as well. If you'd like to hear less of Brian on the show, let us know that too, because that'd be awesome. We want to leave you now with our weekly challenge, which is the same every single week to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.